If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. If you don't, don't worry, it'll come up on the screen. But before we uh, read God's Word, I want to just uh, throw out a couple of key dates that are coming up so everyone knows that next Saturday, say next Saturday, is what? Yes, of course, Christmas Eve. So that means... Christmas starts on a Sunday or is on a Sunday this year, so we won't be in the room, so there's no gathering on Christmas Day. We're going to do those gatherings on Christmas Eve, so there's two identical services, a 2 o'clock and a 4 o'clock. Now, this is, this is half traditional, half something new, mostly traditional, but this will be a candlelight service. This will be a family service, so you'll have all your kids. We'll have gifts for your kids. Uh, I think maybe glow sticks. Are we having glow sticks this year? Yeah, glow sticks for your kids because we don't want them burning the place down. But if you're an adult, we'll give you a candle. And every year, someone I see them hand it to their kid. Like... It's all right, no judgment. So, uh, but here's why I'm telling you this. Uh, one, one, because uh, holidays, especially, uh, listen, honestly, over the last almost three years now on the other side of the pandemic, there's still a lot of people in trauma. There's still a lot of people who need hope. And Jesus is the hope of the world. And, uh, and this is the thing, the, the story of Christ like stirs people's hearts. And people are most likely to go to church during the holiday season, especially on a Christmas service or an Easter service. So if we could borrow your influence and invite people because we think that God has something for them and to produce hope in them. So if you can invite people to the Christmas Eve service, we would like that. Also, every year we do uh, 21 days of prayer and fast, and we start our year out seeking. Now, uh, we're still going to do that this year, but we're going to have one tweak. We're going to split it up with over uh, three weeks throughout the year. So we're going to do uh, seven days of seek, and then seven days in May, and seven days in September. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this is we're still going to have three dynamic services. We usually spread those out over three weeks. We're going to do all three in one week. So it'll be like an intensive, intensive week. So, and you can still obviously... Um, and I'll unpack this more on the, the January 1st, but you can still do 21 days if you want to. Uh, some people still want to do that. That's fine. But we're going to do seven days of prayer. So January 1, we will kick it off with an evening service that will be uh, extended worship. There will be some teaching on seek or prayer that we will get into, but it will be more like a dynamic service. And then, then the rest of the week, um, Tuesday through Saturday, we will have prayers at 6 p.m. We'll gather as a church. If you can make it, we'd love to see you there week long of prayer. And then on that Wednesday, January 4th, we have a guest speaker, Cliff Graham. Uh, I think he's from Malibu. He's from California, so he will be joining us. He is a, a dynamite preacher. He's an evangelist, so I think you're going to want to be here for that. I think something will be imparted into you if you can make it that night. And then we'll end that seven-day prayer focus with a night of worship with Jared Anderson. I don't know if anyone knows who he is. Yeah. Jared Anderson, he wrote The Great I Am. He wrote uh, uh, Amaze. You've likely heard his song either in movies or, or on TV or the radio or in a church service. He's a, a, an incredible man of God. He's a great friend of this house. And so we just last minute called him up last week and said, hey, can you come out? And he's like, yep. So we're going to have Jared here to end that. So I hope you can join us. He will also be here that Sunday morning, but he'll do a night of worship uh, that evening. If you have your Bibles, we're in Luke chapter one. And if you're just joining us, we started our Christmas series last week called Eyewitness Christmas, and we talked about how Luke, who writes the Gospel of Luke, he gives us the most detailed account 
of the birth of Jesus, more than the other three Gospels. He, he faithfully preserves the life, the ministry, and the story of Jesus. And he gives us the most intimate details of the birth of Jesus. He likely would have interviewed um, the disciples. He, he probably interviewed Mary. This is how we know about her writing a song. This is how we get all these nuances of the story that we don't get in the other Gospels. And then we asked the question last week, what, could you, what would it look like if we could sit down like Luke did and interview Mary, last week we played a video of someone um, acting out the parts of Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and, and the nuance it gives us. And we were going to do that today. We're going to interview Joseph. We're going to interview Mary Sunday, or on Christmas Eve. We're going to have another video that we're going to play. And all of these, what they do, is they're, what, what these actors have done is they've taken all of the uh, the research of likely the conversations that that scholars or theologians believe would probably would occur based on ancient times. I mean, you think about the story of Mary and Joseph. It's a scandal. And what happens is, you know, if you live in America, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to preach before I read. Hang on. If you live in America, we a little bit become inoculated with the gospel. You know what inoculation is, right? It's where it's kind of like a vaccination. And what, what, what do they do? So polio, right? we cured polio in the 1950s. And how they do it is they give you a little bit of the real thing to inoculate it, to inoculate so you don't actually catch that virus, that thing that can harm you. Well, I feel like um, we've been so inoculated with the gospel in a Western civilization that, we're, that we've lost the power and the potency of what it really is. So we read it abstractly. We read these like, oh, yes, this is, we almost like Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny, and we forget, no, this was real. This, 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 these stories are true. People died I mean, the first eyewitnesses of Jesus, literally, uh, out of the 12 apostles, 12, 11 of them died contending and, and, and remaining faithful that this is a true story. And if they had made it up, you would think by the time, because Peter was hung upside down on a cross, he, crucifixion was is excruciating pain to be crucified. I think Thomas was filleted in India, alive. Okay, you think by the time they're going to start peeling your skin, and I don't mean to be graphic, but you would think that's when you would say, uh, you know, we made it up. I, I don't want to die. I mean, if you're going to kill me. But no, 11 of the 12. John, the apostle John, he's the only one who died of natural causes. But they all died contending that this was a real story. And there are documents even outside of the Bible that tells us, well, here's what, I, here's what I'm telling you this. Because these stories have power. And if God does it for Mary and does it for Joseph and, and works miracles in their lives, he works miracles in ours. He's the God who takes the impossible and makes it possible. And it really does take a holy imagination to get to the point in the leap of faith to believe that God would come among us and be born of a virgin, which we call immaculate conception. That does take a leap of faith, but it's not blind faith because they all were died willing to keep telling the story because it's true. The Christmas story is a true story. How is it possible 
that 2,000 years later, there are billions of believers around the world today. If it was a myth and a legend, Rome would have squashed it. And they tried to, but they couldn't. Why? Because you can't bury the truth when it's that powerful. So if you have your Bibles, today we're going to do the same thing. We're going to watch the account. Sorry, I got to take my, I should have worn my contacts for you. Um, We're going to do it again today. We're going to listen to the accounts of Mary and Joseph. But let's read it first. Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Two kind of amazing things right now. One, there's an angel. And one, there's a woman being pledged, and she's still a virgin. I mean, these are hard realities in our day. And in ancient times, um, parents would have, you, you protected the virgin, you, you, both parents, both men and women, they would protect their children from having uh, sex outside of marriage. It was like a gift to the marriage in ancient times. And so the fact that they're, they're telling us this is, is that we would know. We don't get the nuances of that in our day and age because it seems we're, so, we're Western. We're, we're very philosophical. We don't understand ancient times. But they tell us that so know that her parents guarded her hard. And Joseph as well. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. And obviously that came true. I mean, here we are still talking about him. Think of that. The miraculous birth of Christianity in a culture that in a Roman culture where they didn't want other kings. And he did be and is still great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him a throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendant forever. His kingdom will never end. And this is true. Because the kingdom of God is still here and is among us. It's, so it's not just their story. It's our story too. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. When I was working third shift as a machinist, and uh, very, anyone who's worked in a factory, you kind of know the nature of that. So I was witnessing and sharing my faith with a man who was an atheist. And uh, so we're talking about, and he said, I am an atheist because I cannot wrap my head around the immaculate conception, the virgin birth. And so we, and he kind of gave, 
I said, well, how do you explain it? I mean, they recorded that they died for it. And his, he, he had a, his answer was, well, they were mistaken. She somehow got pregnant. And, uh, and they just, she would have been killed for that. And, and, the, and, and then just the, the, the power of the story. Let's say you wanted to believe it's true. And this is what he said to me. He's like, I cannot imagine God. It's impossible that God would be a person, that, that a man could be God. And, I, and I, I give you that. It is impossible for man to be God, but it is not impossible for God to become one of us. And this is what makes Christianity so much more powerful than other religions. He's not just a prophet like Muhammad. He's, he, he, he's, he's not like... Gandhi, some good man with great knowledge. He was God among us. So let's pray and let's watch Mary's account of this. Father, I pray with a holy imagination that as we listen, and Lord, we we know we're watching an actress, but I pray for us through holy imagination, we could enter this, this real story that really did happen and hear it through her lens. I pray that it colors our perception of the reality of the Christmas story. And that we, we get that, that Jesus came in a scandal. That it would have been scandalous in a little village like hers to claim what she claimed. And it's hard, it was hard for them to believe, and it's hard for us to believe. But all the Gospels tell us about this. Ancient writers wrote about this. Historians, Father, they wrote about this. So I pray, Father, that we could see this, get this, grab this for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Impossible. What else can I say? It was impossible and unthinkable and scandalous. Deadly. Though mostly impossible. But in that moment, My heart does not say that. My heart and my mouth say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you say. There is no way to even imagine Mary's emotions when she knew the child she would miraculously conceive, birth, and ultimately parent was the very Son of God. I couldn't have been happier. I mean, I'm going back, back before the moment. My future husband had just paid my father a bride price. It wasn't much. Both of our families were poor. What mattered, the contract was complete. We were now legally contracted to get married a year from that day. I don't sleep much 
after that. I think of Joseph, what I know about him. Our village is small. There aren't a lot of secrets. He is well known to be righteous and dedicated to the Lord. He follows the law in the smallest details. He's quiet, Joseph. A thoughtful man. I wonder what we'll talk about at night. Our future. Where will we live? How will we afford to feed ourselves? What will our children look like? What will our children be like? How hard will it be to have children? Will we be like Abraham and Sarah, or Samuel's parents? They were very old when they had children. Or maybe we will have them quickly. Even thinking about it makes me. I kind of know the facts of life. And I've seen village women have a baby, but I have no personal knowledge. I am a virgin. A man has never so much as touched me. What will Joseph be like as he teaches me what I need to know? I have no answers, but the questions torture me. As the months go by, my life barely changes. I don't get to be with Joseph. I stay home, absolutely protected by my parents. Nothing changes. But one day, we get word that an older relative of mine who is far past childbearing age is miraculously pregnant. We're told that an angel Gabriel appeared to Elizabeth's husband in a dream and told him that they were going to have a baby boy. Soon after, she got pregnant. <sighs> what a story. An angel to tell you that you're going to have a baby? Gabriel at that. And then there's shock when the angel's words come true. A blessing for sure. After all their years together to finally have a child. I don't wanna be like Elizabeth. I don't want to wait until I'm old to have children. I want Joseph and me to have a child right away. For us to conceive on the first night of our marriage would be a dream come true. Like so many times before, my mother takes me to the village well to draw water and wash our clothes. I sit at the well. She looks to make sure there are no men nearby. This time of day is reserved for women, and there have never been any men there before, but my mother never takes chances. She checks, just to be certain. Then she walks over to talk to her friends, all of the women from the village. 
They huddle closely and discuss the detailed happenings of their lives. It's going to be a while. And then I hear a man's voice. A deep, rumbling man's voice. I freeze, terrified. Being alone with a man in a public place? No, that should not be. I, I want to shout to my mother. It's only been a few moments since she walked away. There's no chance that I'd be accused of wrongdoing. But no sound comes out of my mouth. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. I can't even move. Don't be afraid. God favors you. You are going to conceive and have a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. He will take the throne of David, rule over the Israelites, and his kingdom will never end. It's an angel. The man is an angel. And this angel isn't talking about some future time after Joseph and I are married. He's talking about now, about me having a baby now. <sighs> I can think of nothing to say except point out the obvious. How will this possibly happen? I am a virgin. The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The holy child that will be born to you will be named the Son of God. Silent. I'm absolutely silent. I have no way to process what the angel is telling me. And he continues. Your cousin Elizabeth has conceived in her old age and is six months pregnant. With God, nothing is impossible. Impossible. That word echoes over and over in my brain. Impossible. But my heart, my heart and my mouth say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you say. The next morning, I tell my mother the whole story. She's scared, scared that I may be hallucinating, scared that I will tell somebody and start a rumor, then a scandal. She didn't see an angel. She didn't hear anything at the well. During the night, nothing out of the ordinary. 
in her mind, nothing could have possibly happened. She says the word, impossible. My father comes in that evening. We meet as a family. I tell my story. Papa is like stone. I can't read him. Mama chimes in, tells him the impossibility of the story. Papa is motionless. We pray, we sit in silence. Finally, my father passes judgment. Tomorrow morning, take Mary to see Elizabeth in the hill country. You can watch over her there. Nobody will find it strange that you want to see for yourself that Elizabeth is miraculously pregnant. Return in three months when Elizabeth is due to have the baby. We will know what to do by then. In the morning, before anybody else is up, my mother and I begin walking to the hill country. It takes us more than a week. When we arrive in Elizabeth's hometown, we ask for directions to her house. Of course, everybody knows her and Zachariah, her husband. We stand outside for several minutes outside of her house, trying to decide exactly how to do this. And then my mother simply knocks on the door. We are welcomed in and things go off the rails right in front of my poor, sweet mama. I greet Elizabeth. Things go crazy. She springs to her feet. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Blessed are you among all women and blessed is your baby. What is this that the mother of my Lord comes to me? When I heard your voice, my baby jumped in my womb. Blessed is she who believes the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. I didn't know if Elizabeth was talking about herself or about me, Mama in shock. Elizabeth saying I'm blessed because I am pregnant. I break out in praise to God. I glorify him in all of his works. I thank him for blessing me. My soul glorifies the Lord. From now on, generations will call me blessed. His mercy extends to those who fear him. Impossible? Less so. For three months, Elizabeth and I praise God. We share our hopes for our futures and our babies. We may be far apart in age, but not in dreams. 
It is the most joyous time. We are both mothers. Mama. My sweet, fearful mama. For her, the three months drag on. It is obvious now. I am obviously three months pregnant. And it is time to go home to Nazareth and see my papa. And deal with it. With God, all things are possible. That is still true. The Christmas story is still our story. And this is in the middle of a mess. This is in the middle of like her reputation may be ruined now. And you can see that somehow there's a ton of peace on her life. When we would likely be feeling judged right now. Or trying to figure out how to get out of this situation. She just says, I'll do it, Lord. She obeys. Now, the scriptures don't tell us a whole lot about Joseph. The little bit that it gives us is we know that he was alive all the way up until Jesus was at least 12 years old. And this is the most that the Bible says about his father, Joseph. So this is Matthew chapter 1, verse 16. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All this took place. Oh, I'm sorry, I read that part. God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Father, I pray as we listen to Joseph. I wonder, Father, and think about what he must be feeling. He, I wonder, does he think he's being lied to? Does he, we know that he wants to divorce her and get out of this as the best he can, but all the implications of the law in those times and what it would mean for Mary. And I pray, Father, as we hear his story, that we too feel like you do the impossible and that we too, like him, would obey 
even when it means others may look at us funny. So give us this spirit of impossibility and give us the the courage of obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been three months. Three very long months. My soon-to-be wife and her mother left town without any warning, or so much as a goodbye. Now they are finally returning after being gone for three months. They've been to see a cousin who, in her old age, is miraculously having a child. It's a big deal. I understand. Of course, Mary had to go. But now she's coming back. I'm very excited. Our, our whole village is excited. None of us can wait to see her. Them. The Bible does not record any words of Joseph. However, from the scriptures, we do know this. When God asked him to do something, Joseph did it immediately and with complete faith in God. It's said that the angel foretold the birth to Elizabeth's husband in a dream, an angel telling your future in a dream, especially something as impossible for them as having a baby, as specific as a boy, and as detailed as the name. I heard that her husband didn't believe the angel. I decided to wait in my workshop and be productive. How amazing would it be to have a son to share my craft, give him a tiny chisel, show him how to use a piece of lava rock to smooth door frames, Watch him drag rocks to me to shape for a cornerstone. As he grows stronger, the stones will get bigger and bigger. And when I get old and my eyesight goes, I will turn my business over to him. He would take care of Mary and me in our old age. I wait and wait and wait. What's the holdup? Some neighbors went by earlier chattering, but that couldn't have been about Mary's return. She would have caused a joyous celebration. I wait until noon. I walk to Mary's house to ask her father what has happened. I'm a little frantic thinking about it. Two women traveling. The saddest man I have ever seen comes to the door. He's not surprised to see me. He just stands there. After an eternity, he motions me inside. Mary and her mother are sitting. Her mother is crying. Mary? Smiling. I sit and wait to understand, to make sense of it all. Mary's father tells me this preposterous story, doesn't spare any details. Bottom line, Mary is three months pregnant. I can't say a word. I can hardly breathe. Then, of all things, Mary repeats the same story, almost word for word. But when she tells it, she's smiling. The most serene, contented smile you've ever seen. 
she's so beautiful, innocent, full of life. She finishes and looks at me with a look. She loves me. The future crashes into the present. Joseph, we have a son. His name is Jesus. She stands, clearly pregnant. Her child is not mine. Without a word, I stand and walk out the door. The whole village knows. Friends, neighbors watch me, pity me. They wait for me to gather them together in the twilight and admit that the child is mine. Or to ask for them to join me in stoning Mary. I review all of the laws of Moses. Was it fornication or adultery? I don't know. I don't care. I want to follow the laws in this matter as I have all of the things in my life. At the same time, I want to have mercy on Mary, no matter what has happened. I love her. I will agree with Mary's father to have an amicable, quiet divorce. The rabbi will be thrilled to have a conflict-free resolution. If I don't ask for her to be stoned to death, nobody else will either. I will move to another town and look for another wife. Finally, I'm out off. Son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because she has become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. An angel appears to me in a dream. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I bolt out of bed, the words of the prophet Isaiah flooding my mind. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him God with us. I have no fear of obeying the Lord completely and immediately. It's just before dawn. I make my way through the quiet streets of Nazareth. I'll wait outside until they wake. A light is already flickering through the cracks in the window shades. Guess they didn't sleep much last night either. Mary's father appears at the door, haggard. It looks like he's aged 10 years overnight. He's been waiting for my knock. I ask to come in, I smile. He pokes his head out the door and looks both ways, probably looking for the angry mob he was certain would be accompanying me. I waltz right by him and into the house. It's a replay of last night. Her mother sitting in disgrace. Mary smiling. I tell them my dream. Within minutes, we agree to the next course of action. Her father and I change our marriage contract so as to be completed today. I follow the angel's instructions completely. By mid-morning, we are quietly married by the rabbi. By noon, Mary has moved into my house as my wife. Few of the self-righteous people in Nazareth are disappointed that Mary is not stoned. If Mary gets away with this, what would the other women think they can get away with? But since I don't charge Mary with adultery, nobody else will either. Words are said, glances exchanged, but the scandal goes away rather quietly, at least for a while. Gossip will increase with the size of Mary's belly. By the time of the delivery, 
the village will be vicious. I pray and plan and save money. If only Mary and I could somehow find a reason to leave Nazareth before our son is born. But we will not do it with an attitude of fear or with disbelief in God. That would not do him honor. Honestly, I wouldn't mind if Gabriel was to come talk to me again. I mean, I, I find when I hear this story and I think about it, I, I love that we're seeing someone talk about it in kind of very real terms because many in this room have gone through a divorce. Many in this room had to wrestle with something like Joseph and Mary and a reputation being ruined, some scandal you've been in the middle of and like, and you want to obey God, but you, you, you don't know how until you have that conversation with someone who is spiritual insight or you, you had this prayer and this God moment or the Bible speaks to you or another Christian in your life coaches you along and you get peace and you know what to do. But what I see from Joseph and Mary, maybe the one big takeaway that, that we could grab today is this, that God does honor obedience. And Joseph obeys the angel. Mary says, you know, I want to do what the Lord, they both obey. And what I've learned about obedience, when we obey, it opens up more opportunity to encounter God again. And it's got to be hard to say yes to the Lord when the world's going to think you're crazy for it. But when you do, it opens the door. Maybe you're wondering, like, I want to hear God. Well, what's he asking you to do? Maybe today it's say yes and follow me. Maybe there's some sacrifice he's asking you to make and you don't want to. Maybe there's something you knew that he said to you two weeks ago or two years ago. And you wonder, where has the Lord's voice gone? I've lost it. Well, when was the last time he spoke to you and did you do it? Because I've learned when we obey, it sets us up. For the next encounter and he will honor that he will honor that movement so as you go home this week and i hope you return on christmas eve you re remember this is a true story and it wasn't clean it was messy it was scandalous and what it tells us is God is in our lives too. We can get through the scandal. We can get through the mess. You may be here today and even wonder, like, how am I going to get out of this situation? And all you need is the next step from God. Push past the opinions of man, the opinions of others. You can make it because the same way that the Holy Spirit was with Joseph and Mary, he's with you too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, this very nuanced, colorful, scandalous story. And it tells us you'll be in, you can move in our lives too. And I pray that we leave today filled with the faith of this Christmas story and what it means for us that we are saved, that you are with us, that God walked among us, Father. 
And so I ask that you would fill us with the life of the Holy Spirit, that you would give us our next step. Father, because I pray that as we obey, that we would speak again and you would tell us the next thing and we'd say yes to that. And as we begin to see that you're honoring our obedience and you're honoring our next steps and as we walk into them, we begin to get stronger. We begin to make better choices. We begin to see a way through the difficult, through the mess, because it's what you do. So we thank you for this story that it's just not to be remembered like some myth, but it's something we actually get to live to. We thank you for inviting us into this story. In Jesus' name.